0: Well, um, last year, Sam and I had a few difficulties with our kids, which is nothing unusual if you have kids. There's always difficulties. But this was a little bit more than normal, and um, we began to see a bit of a pattern that when Dad was away overseas on his ministry trips, they just started to play up, um, or like one would have really terrible sleeping, or one would be sick, or their behavior would just be terrible and it was just really hard and so we began to um, see a bit of a pattern happening that when dad was away this started happening so um I chatted to Mum and Dad about it, and I told them. And as we were talking, we just began to see that actually it was a bit of a spiritual attack. That I think, you know, when Dad goes, he's he's very much a prayer, and he always prays protection over our family. And I, he does it when he's overseas as well, but his focus is on his ministry. And also because of that ministry, I guess the devil doesn't want him doing it. And so he thought, thinks, "Oh right, I'll attack the family while they're back at home." So. Um, This was happening, so we decided that we were going to pray and just a little bit harder for protection, and that we would declare some, we would do some declarations over the kids. So we prayed and we'd declare things like, in Jesus' name, our kids will sleep through the night every day, and um, you know, in the name of Jesus, that they will not get sick, that they'll be covered in the blood of Jesus, and you know, all this stuff. And, And as we did that, we actually found that that next trip was so much better. The kids are practically normal. And it was amazing to see it. And they're practically normal <laughs> If kids can be normal. And anyway, so that was good. And then and then the next trip came and, and because the kids have been good the last time we sort of forgot about it and then halfway through I was thinking what is going on you know things have falling apart and then I remembered oh, I've got to pray I've got to do these declarations and, and so we did that and again it got better and so hopefully now we're into the swing of it and we do it every time and, and we've got the victory because God is greater and um, it's good but, you know, just going through that really sort of made me realize that that whole spiritual attack, that spiritual world, is really real. And it's, it's not just something that, you know, is out there and you don't encounter it. It, it. it meets us in our world. And Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, "...for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms." I'm not one to think that there's a devil hiding behind every bush or anything like that, but I do believe that God is real, and I do believe that the enemy is real, and there is a battle going on, and there is a spiritual world out there that we don't see. In fact, there's a whole unseen world that we're just not really very tuned into. And um, some of it's a bit scary, but most of it's really good. And I love the fact that there are angels out there that are watching over us and that are protecting us. I mean, I love that story that Pastor Kathy shared this morning of that girl, and she cried out to God for help. And he met her at her point of need. and, And you know, she even said, God, open my eyes to see that you're there to help me and to protect me. And God can do that for us. And there's two verses that I love about angels and protection, and they're on the screen there. Psalm 34, verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. And Psalm 91, verse 11 says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And isn't it nice to know that we're not alone in this world, you know, that someone's watching out for us? God is watching out for us, and he can send his angels to look after us as well. But it's not just a protection that we need to be aware of or that God can open our eyes to. There's so many things out there that we just have no idea about. And sometimes if we take the time to ask, you know, God can open our eyes to really simple things like needs around us that we can meet or um, circumstances and situations beyond what we see, God can show us the root issue or what's really going on. Or sometimes, and I think this is probably a big one, um, if we ask him, if we're willing to listen, if we're willing to hear, God can show us what it is that maybe is hindering us if we're stuck in a rut or we can't seem to move forward in God or in life. Sometimes it can be something that that we need to let go of something or we need to do something, whatever it might be, God can open our eyes to that kind of thing. So that's what I want to look at this morning, God opening our eyes. And I want to look at four stories in the Bible. And in each case, God opens their eyes to different things. So the first one is the story of Elisha's servant, and it's found in 2 Kings chapter 6. And we're not going to go through the whole thing, but I'll just recap and read a couple of verses. It's actually one of my favorite Old Testament stories. I think it's really cool. Um, The king of Aram, the enemy of Israel, sent a great army to surround one of Israel's cities and destroy God's prophet Elisha. They weren't very happy with him. And so Elisha was with his servant when the enemy attacked, and the two of them were surrounded. The servant was terrified, and he cried out to Elisha and probably said, "'Master, what are we going to do? We're surrounded.'" And Elisha responded with a remarkable statement. He said, "'Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are are more than those who are with them.'" And Elisha's servant looked around, you know, but he couldn't see anyone. And so he was thinking, wow, what's going on? And then Elisha prayed a simple prayer for his servant. He prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then we're told the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The servant's eyes were open, and suddenly he realized that the heavenly protection that was around them. And don't you think it must have been so exciting to be able to suddenly see all these horses and these chariots of fire surrounding Elisha? I think that would have been a pretty amazing experience for that servant. But you know what? That kind of thing may not happen exactly that way today, but it does happen today because the God that was the God of Bible times is the same God for us today. And and if you begin to research it, if you look at stories, if you Google it, there's so many stories out there of people that have had angelic protection like this. I mean, um, I won't tell you all of them. I'll share one. But you know there's There's heaps of them. I know of people that have been missionaries that, you know, some people came to attack them and then they backed away and they found out later that there were all these huge men behind them and they were angels, you know, and and there's stuff like that. So much of it that goes on. It's awesome. So I'll share one story, Oh, just before I do actually, even just a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Helen was telling us um, as a staff that she felt the protection of God around her when she went to drop off some clothes to a clothing bin and, and there was a few shady looking characters that came up and she just prayed and she really felt God's protection with her and that can happen to us all the time if we ask. But there's a story of this young guy's wife, and, and she was, um, the guy was asked to work on a temporary assignment in a city that was uh, quite far away from their home, and it was only for two months, but it was quite hard for them because they had two girls, and so after two weeks, his wife Shannon and his daughters flew to visit him, and of course they wanted to spend every minute they could with him, so they booked the last flight back home, so by the time they got in, it was almost midnight. And um, it was in LA International Airport, so she had to get a shuttle just to get to her car. And when she got to the car and she turned the key, um, smoke started coming out from under the hood. Not a good sign. And she was 30 miles from home, which is about 50 kilometers. And so she prayed, Lord, please help us get home. And she asked her girls to pray that the angels would look after them. So anyway, and she drove slowly a few blocks A few blocks from the airport car park, another car came alongside her and told her that there was a gas station up ahead if she turned left. So she thought she'd better do that. She knew she couldn't keep going because she was a bit worried the car was going to explode. So she turned in, she pulled into the service station and desperately asked the man in the bulletproof booth to help her, but he wouldn't come out of his safe booth. So she didn't know what to do. And then out of the corner of her eye, she saw two men coming towards her. They looked about her age, but they were pretty dirty, a bit ragged, looked a bit like street people. So she was a little bit worried, and she prayed, Lord, I need help now. When she prayed, she, su- she suddenly felt a great sense of peace. And that's when one of the young men said to her, Ma'am, pop the hood, and then you'll all need to get out of the car. So they did that, and he looked around and said, You're blowing the radiator hose. Do you have anything in the boot that we could use for tape? Well, she was almost in tears by this stage, and she was just shaking her head no, and then the Lord reminded her that she had a first aid kit in the car, and that had some tape in it, so we can remember that if (laughs) your radiator hose blows. Anyway, um, she got it out, and and he used it to wrap the hose securely, and he put some water in the radiator and asked her how far she had to go. She told him, 30 miles, you'll make it, he said with a kind smile, you'll make it home. Shannon only had $10 in her purse, so she gave the men 5 and she said, Look, I don't have much money, but I'm going to give you something way better than that. I'm going to ask Jesus to bless you guys. Thank you so much for helping us. She said that by this time we were back in the car and the two men were standing beside her. One of them closed the door for her as she got in and the service station was surrounded by a huge parking lot. It was a long way to the fence. She said, I bent down and put my key in the ignition and when I looked up, they were gone. I couldn't believe it. I'd only looked down for a second and they were standing right there. There was just no way they could have got to the fence that fast or jumped it to cross the street. The two had simply vanished. Cool, eh? There was angelic protection. You know, as a mum, I don't know how many times I've had angelic protection over my kids, but I'm pretty sure it's it's quite a bit, because so many things can go wrong when you've got young ones. You know, they get a hold of something that's really dangerous, or you look the other way and they've gone out into the driveway, or something crashes, and, and I just know that my kids are protected by God's angels, and I always pray that, and I don't know how many times they've been rescued, but I'm sure it's a few, and it's very comforting as a mum to know that God is out there. All right. Story number two. Um, This is found in Numbers 22, verse 21 to 39. We're going to read it. It's a bit of a funny story. It's about Balaam and his donkey. You might have heard of it. Balaam, he's a bit of an interesting character. He's a type of prophet, but um, he, is, he was evil and, and he had greed in his heart. And the Bible records him mostly in a pretty negative light. However, despite his checkered life, he did bring the word of the Lord and we can learn something from the story. So you can follow along with me if you want. We'll start from verse 21. So Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey and went to the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a sword drawn in his hand, it turned off the road and into a field. Balaam bit it to get it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path in the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he bit the donkey again. Poor donkey. Um, Wait on... (laughs) Then the angel of the Lord moved ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry, and he bit it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make me beat you these three times? And Balaam answered the donkey, You've made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you've always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. I mean, you'd think at this point he must think that this is God or something, because it must be pretty strange to have his donkey talking to him. And then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. And the angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you, because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would have certainly killed you by now, but I would have spared it. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now if you are displeased, I will go back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. When Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the Moabite town on the Arnon border at the edge of his territory. And Balak said to Balaam, Did I not send you an urgent summons? Why did you not come to me? Am I really not able to reward you? Well, I've come now, I've come to you now, Balaam replied, but I can't say whatever I please. I must only speak what God puts in my mouth. The Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn. God was opposing Balaam's path because it was reckless before God. The Bible says, Balaam knew that um, God knew that Balaam was on a journey for, on this journey for the wrong reasons. There was greed in, his, greed in his heart, and Peter says in the New Testament that Balaam loved the wages of wickedness. And so this visit from the angel was necessary to shock Balaam onto the right mental path to ensure that he did the Lord's will. Sometimes in our lives, God might send roadblocks along our way to make sure that we don't go in the wrong direction. I think it's interesting to note that the angel stopped um, the donkey three times, and only then did God open its eyes, open Balaam's eyes. And I think that this reminds us to, that it's so important if we feel that we've heard the word of the Lord, we feel that God's spoken to us to get confirmation, just to. Ask someone who you know is a godly person, hey, do you think that I'm hearing right? And I love that verse in Proverbs 11 verse 14 that says, and the multitude of counselors there's safety. And it's always good when we're thinking we're hearing from God just to check it out with someone else as well. But anyway, um, there was a pastor and he was an extremely anointed man of God and he was going off track. And in this situation, he also had an encounter with God, and he had a vision of a large angel as well, with a sword drawn, with a drawn sword. Um, but unfortunately, he applied it to his church rather than his own life. He didn't take it on personally and seeing it, see it as a warning that he was heading in the wrong direction, which he was. Um, both Balaam and this pastor were very gifted men. But they were straying from God's path. And even though God gave them each angelic intervention, they both continued in their disobedient ways. I mean, Balaam, he did decide, do the right thing in this instance, but he ended up going off track. And as for that pastor, well, it was pretty sad, really. Um, the pastor in the church... Uh, that, that it was just a really sad situation and there was uh, lasting ramifications that actually still affect people today. I think the past is okay now but it was it was a real mess. Um, and Balaam well he ended up leading the Israelites into sin. He brought a curse on them that resulted in 24,000 of them getting killed and then he himself got killed by the Israelites. So he, he definitely ended up in the wrong pathway. And I think the big lesson to learn from this story in this case is it's so important to follow God and follow his word and um, live in obedience to God and his word. Because if we don't, we can easily end up on the wrong track. You know, I on the positive, I found it really comforting to know that if I'm walking in the will of God, if I'm doing my best to seek him and live for him, he's not going to let me go off track without warning me. And as humans, you know, we do make the wrong decisions, we do mess up and, and we don't always have logic, so it is kind of scary, but we can know that God will send the warning. I think the important thing is that we have eyes that are open to see that warning and to pay attention, because sometimes we can be so caught up in what we want to do that we don't see that it's completely the wrong direction, it's not where God wants us to go. Just you know, a couple of examples, I mean, I think even you know, when you're getting married, it's, it's sort of scary like, are you marrying the right person? Because you don't hundred percent know, right? And this is for life. And so I remember when we were getting married, and and I, I was pretty sure, but you're always never hundred percent sure. And I just I just prayed and I asked God, <laughs> and I asked God, you know, that He would show me. And I, I did my checks and balances. I mean, Mum and Dad were happy, sort of. They no, they were happy. They were happy. <laughs> <laughs> they were happy and you know what, I got it right that's the main thing, I got it right and <laughs> but you know it is, it's a scary decision and but you can you can be confident that if you're asking God to lead you if you're following him, if you're in his will he will show you if it's the wrong person you just gotta listen, that's the thing <laughs> another time I remember Sam and I um, we were trying to sell our first house and um So we were looking for a new house, and there were these houses across the street that were being built. And so we thought, "Yeah, that looks great." We signed up for that. Um, But as time went on, I just I just felt really uncomfortable about it. I felt this doubt in my heart. And so we decided we'd try and get out of it. And praise God, we were able to get out of it, which was a miracle in itself. And then um, we we got the house that we're in today, which is really great for us and so much better than what could have been. And another situation where we thought this is right, but God had other plans, and He showed us. And that so we were able to stay on the right path. So, you know, we can take comfort in that God will guide us. We just have to be walking with him, getting counsel and listening to what he's saying. All right, story number 3. This is found in Luke 24. And um, I'll just summarise again. It's about Cleopas and his companion travelling home to Emmaus. The two were talking of Jesus' death and supposed resurrection, which they were having a little bit of trouble believing. And um, suddenly Jesus appeared and started to walk with them. They didn't know that it was Jesus. And so as they were talking, first he opened their eyes to see that the crucifixion wasn't the tragedy that they thought, but in fact a fulfilment of prophecy and God's plan to redeem a lost world. Then they invited him to stay with them for supper, and we can read in verse 30, it says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road, and he opened the scriptures to us. So they knew that it was Jesus, and they knew that he had indeed risen from the dead. The best revelation or eye-opener that we can ever have is a revelation of Jesus. Whether it's through the scriptures or through a song or a dream or a vision or a person, um, when our eyes are open to Jesus, everything changes. And, you know, I think that Sometimes we might think it has to be a really dramatic thing, but it doesn't. I mean, even this morning, I thought the worship was amazing. And my favorite song at the moment is that song, I Believe in God the Father, I Believe in Christ the Son. And that's declarations of who God is. And I felt like a revelation. Yes, this is God. This is who I'm serving. And it builds faith. That can be an eye-opener. All right, they've got one more story. I'm sure you all know this one. It's the story of Saul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. So we're going to read this one, chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They'd heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus, and for three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. And the story goes on to say that um, there was a disciple in Damascus called Ananias and the Lord visited him and told him to go to Saul and to pray for him and put his hands on his eyes so that he might see again. In verse 18, he, so Ananias does this and in verse 18 it says, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again and he got up and he was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength. In Saul we see the greatest about face of anyone in history. Saul was zealous for God, but he missed the truth of Jesus. He thought he was doing the right thing by persecuting these followers of the way, or Christians, um, but in actual fact, he was really persecuting the very God he was trying so hard to serve. He needed a revelation of Jesus. He needed a radical salvation experience, and he needed to know Jesus personally, and he had that on the road to Damascus. Saul, who we come to know as Paul, is never the same again after he falls to his hands and knees on that dusty road in the presence of God Almighty. Suddenly he could see the errors of his ways. He repented, he was baptised, and he went on to become one of the gospel's most ardent messengers. Paul traveled tirelessly through the ancient world, ancient world taking the message of salvation to the Gentiles. He made three long missionary journeys through the Roman Empire, planting churches, preaching the gospel, and giving strength and encouragement to the early Christians. He's credited with being the author of 13 books of the New Testament, and he was martyred for his faith by the Romans. He was an amazing man, and what a radical salvation experience that was. Doesn't get much more radical than that. And that's the best eye-opener story of all. You know, we all need our eyes open to Jesus. Whether, we're, um, whether we've met him before or whether we're Christians, we still need to know who he is and what he's done for us. It's important that we have this revelation constantly so we can see who we're serving and it keeps us from getting religious. You know, it's easy to get religious, but Christianity is all about having a relationship with Jesus and getting to know him more and more personally every day. So we all need this. We all have the ability, like these four men, to have God open our eyes. Because the Jesus we serve today is the same Jesus that they served. The same Jesus all the time. It might take a little bit more energy to be aware of it in today's society. We might have to look a little bit harder, tune in and listen with just a little bit more determination. But when we do, we can have our eyes open to see all that Jesus wants us to see. So what do we take away from these four stories? It's great to hear them. What do we take away? My prayer is that something's already spoken to your heart, but let me just give you five real simple things that I think we can learn. The first thing is I think that God wants us to see and be aware of the spiritual world. You know, it's real. It's more real than the world we live in, and sometimes that's hard to comprehend, but God wants us to be aware of what's going on. He wants us to start to tune in to that spiritual world. It's so important as Christians. Secondly, we can pray um, for help and angelic protection when we're in trouble, when we're facing difficulty or when we're having a hard time and know that God is there to watch over us and protect us. And this can be even in situations, you know, maybe you feel attacked verbally, then you can ask God to protect you and shield you from those words that can cut deep. I know that dad's had that experience before and I'm sure he's shared it. Um, or it can be in a physical sense. As I said with my kids, you know, every night I pray over them that they'd be covered in the blood of Jesus. I pray that the angels would be around them, that they'd be protected from sickness and accidents. And every night I pray that, and I know that the angels are there looking after them, that God is watching over them. Thirdly, and maybe one of the most important things from this, this message is that we need to ask God to regularly guide our steps and our decisions. When we're in tune with the Holy Spirit and listening to God's voice and leading, then um, as well as getting advice from others at times, we're far more likely to stay on the right track. We don't want to end up like Balaam and end up off track, but we want to stay on the pathway that God has for us. Also, we need to read the word daily. You know, it's a great way that God can open our eyes like he did with Cleopas. And this makes the Word of God come alive. And you know, this book is, is so powerful. It's got so much in it. I mean, you read the Old Testament, and I love the book of like Joshua and Judges and... Um books like that that are all about the battles and the amazing miracles that god did it's really interesting they've got those great stories in them and then you come to the book of proverbs and it's full of wisdom or you come to psalms and it's just beautiful and it just encourages your soul or you read the new testament god's words to us as living words everything we need for life is in that book and so we need to be in it every day There's a verse that's um, a great verse to pray as you're reading the word. It's in Psalm 119, verse 18. And it says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. It's a great idea to pray verses, actually, over your life. Lastly, expect God to speak to you. Expect him to open your eyes. As we spend time in prayer, maybe in the 24-7 prayer room or in prayer meetings or praying in tongues as we're driving or just at home, as we pray, as we have expectation, as we have faith, God will open our eyes. I really believe that. And we can all have our own Damascus Road experience. may not be quite as dramatic, but it can still change our lives. If the musos could just come, that would be great. I'm just going to finish off. I believe that God wants us all to focus more on the unseen and on the spiritual world. It's so important to know what we're really fighting against and what we're really dealing with. And, you know, I believe that every year does seem to heat up a little bit more spiritually. And this year, I'm sure, will be no exception. So, I just want to speak to myself for a minute and I'll share it with you guys, but let's make a decision this year to put aside apathy, to put aside complacency, to to put aside Christianity as an add-on or something that we just do on Sunday, but let's be alert, let's be good soldiers. You know what I want for this year in my life personally? I want to be what I call a game changer. You know, I want to be someone that somehow changes the people around me to see God, to, to want to know him personally, to have hope, to be excited about being in church, to be excited about serving him, to want to live all out for him. That's what I want to do. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is, on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's make 2015 a year where we constantly pray, Lord, open my eyes. Why don't you all stand with me this morning? We're going to sing a song. (laughs) Thanks.